Hello there. Abby Nascar is a neuroscientist, an author, and a tireless advocate for mental health and global harmony. He is somebody that's trying to make the world a better place, and he's studying hard to do it. I bumped into Abby on the internet and saw something he posted which really resonated with me and I just thought as I do sometimes I wonder if he'd like to have a chat and uh, luckily he said yes and I just had the most beautiful conversation with him um, really just letting letting him talk and tell me uh, how he is trying to make the world a better place by understanding human behavior uh, he, he's spoken at so many events all around the world so I, I feel very privileged that he's been here to take part in another super connected conversation. Hello, Abby. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Tim. It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, and, and thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Now, as I just I've just explained in the intro, we 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 haven't really met before. Um, a lot of the people that I've interviewed on this, I do know or have had some connection with. Uh, although with you, it's completely different. I I literally saw a post that resonated with me that you had made, I think, on Twitter, um, and it was about how we are. Uh, putting too much importance on photos of ourselves and our digital identities. Uh, and I can't remember the exact quote. I'll share it. Um, do you remember that? I have so many, but yes, I am aware that we came into contact through that aspect. Yeah, yeah. And um, as a, you know, a self-taught neuroscientist, what is it uh, about social media that's prompted you to to sort of um i don't know talk about it and bring attention to it in the ways that it's uh, being unhelpful to human beings how did you how did that start for you my work is primarily based on human behavior now as a person whose life mission you can say it that to understand people. And I have tried to understand people through everything that they do, through everything that is important to them, regardless of whether it is seen important by the society or not. Now, what are the things that are important to people? There are, we can say, politics, there, are, uh, there is technology, there is uh, religion, faith, belief. There are so many aspects of, of the human psyche. Now, one of them is technology. Mm. Unlike every other tool that humankind has used, technology is, is much more powerful. And that's why it carries much more burden, the burden of responsibility. It is, it is a great force, but like every force, there is always good and bad. Mm -hmm. People get blinded by this, by this vast, vast exposure, vast power that technology has over people. 
right? So they get blinded and what are the things, but the things that technology can make us achieve. That's fine, that's completely great. I mean, we are talking uh, across thousands of miles and this is by the grace of technology. So this is, this is the good thing. Mm. But at the same time, when that technology is used without awareness, without being aware of what's going to happen to ourselves, our health, both physiological and psychological, then it begins to ruin the life that is supposed to support, that is supposed to aid. Mm -hmm. And that's why social media or the internet has been doing for some time now. Facebook, Instagram, and all these things, they started out as a means to, as a means to connect people, bring people together. But today they are more separating people than they're bringing <coughs> people together. They are creating the barriers much more than they are removing them, taking mm -hmm. them down. And then again comes the problems of fake news and all of that. Those are another different arena. Mm -hmm. Then comes, so today Facebook, Instagram particularly, they use or rather abuse our mental mechanisms. There's this reward and punishment that people work on, the human mind works on. We, we take a picture, we put it out there, and we are always, always anticipating a bang, a ping on the phone, how many notifications, how many people like that. And we are doing it on a regular basis. Mm. And the more a person does it on a regular basis, the more they get addicted to it. But the more they, they get addicted to it, Social media platforms make the revenue, of course, but at the same time, the people that are providing them with the revenue, their psychological health gets ruined because we are always, it's like we are always high on drugs, except in this case, the drugs are social media. I mean, it is a great, it has great potential. It is a great tool, but just because it is free, it is not actually free. People are paying it, uh, paying with their, with their life, with their taste, with their desires and everything that people do, people's time, all of it. So just because apparently it is free doesn't mean it is healthy. We have to use it, but we have to use it keeping in mind that it, like any other force, if we abuse it without taking, without being accountable for it, then we will not only ruin our own lives, but at the same time, we are going to ruin the lives of people around us. And in the end, we are going to ruin the fabric of society. Mm. I've just remembered uh, what, what it was you said. You said something like uh, photographs are meant to capture memories, not replace them. Um, that was that was that that simple phrase that um, drew me to to your profile and and um, you know and to find out some uh, something about your work online. In is your work uh, is that the main um, thrust of your work? The priority is is uh, trying to address these issues about uh, social media addiction um, and what. What what do you what do you think that we can do to avoid those issues? And certainly, I do know some people um, and friends uh, that have 
what could be classed as addiction to social media. And I, I have um, part of the reason that I started these conversations uh, and uh, an album and a film that I've been working on about all of this is because I, I was, I was would say that I was very addicted in in, in an unhealthy way um, to social media uh, through that exactly what you said through the uh, reward and punishment system, um, which took me quite a while to to conquer, I suppose. And I I've conquered other addictions in the past, but that yeah, the social media one I really took me by surprise. And uh, I, I, want, I wonder, what do you feel that we uh, collectively can do to um, combat that? So to answer your first question, whether it is the main thrust of my work, uh, my, as yeah. I said, my, the main thrust of my work to cover everything mm. that, uh, that involves human behavior. Mm. So uh, the statement that you uh, quoted, it is from... Uh, from the book uh, on particularly on the issue of social media on the issue of technology so it is one of the many aspects of my work now as for how do we combat it one phrase individual accountability nobody is going to doing that for nobody's going to do that for us nobody is going to going to i mean Forget about what the government does. Forget about the, whether the government or law is able to make these platforms, hold these platforms accountable. That is, that is, let's just leave that to the government. But we have to start working on ourselves. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. I mean, every time there is a notification Nobody can help it. They are going to pick up that phone. Mm. I mean, there is this urge. I mean, you have been exposed to this sound, these notifications for so long that nobody can help it. It is so hard. It's funny you say that. I, uh, you probably know the film, The Social Dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I only realized um, when I watched that film, which I, I thought was some really great, uh, uh, contributions to the social media debate in that film uh, and some other parts which I wasn't so sure about but um, I've never ever I've always since 2004 or five well, or when, whenever was the first iPhone 2007 I think um, I've never ever had notifications switched on on any app <laughs> and so I, I still became addicted to social media um, and I realized because uh, that uh, by watching other friends and, you know, that they have things pinging all the time and stuff coming up. And I suddenly realized uh, probably two or three years ago, oh, wow, I, I don't have that. I don't have that kind of jumping stuff. And and that's sort of the reason I, I switched them all off. I, I Every new app I have, I switch notifications off if they're automatically because I like to choose myself when I want to access information on the, online. I don't want to be called up. It's the same as the telephone ringing all the time, you know. Um, but that's interesting. It is, um, it is the norm, isn't it, to have the notifications on? Yes. I mean, think about, think about uh, 
this vast array of new devices, the Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of it? Its very purpose is predicated on getting you more addicted on notifications, not getting you less addicted. That's why Apple Watch exists. I mean, do you really, really need notification on your like on your wrist any more than you know need those notifications on your phone every single minute? You can just choose when to which app you want to open, when to open them if you really need it. But they are the these platforms, these companies, they pretend, yes, but they don't give a damn about the health of these consumers because so in the end, the health of the consumers rely on the consumers themselves. How are they going to act? How are they going to behave? Apple Watch exists. There is a notification. You watch it. Except instead of picking up the phone, you just pick up your wrist. That's it. That's the difference. And so think about we have to distinguish between the luxuries and the necessities. We have to question ourselves what are the things that we really need and what are the things that we think we need. <laughs> the same goes for every single application on the phone. First, mm -hmm. we have to choose on devices. Which devices do we need, not want, not desire, but actually we have a need for. Uh, mm -hmm. Without it, we cannot work. Uh, so we choose those necessities. Then we go on to applications. Which applications do we need? Do we just, just because there is a new application, just go ahead and download it? Or just because there is this application, we just turn on the notification on all of them. And mm. so you cannot, you, the teenagers or the young people are more vulnerable to this because the teenage brain is evolving in a way that it is always seeking for these kind of attention from the outside world. And mm -hmm. the smartphone is the easiest way that they can get that. So the teenage population is very much vulnerable to it. But imagine a world when these young people, they grow up, they grow up as addicted, insecure, antisocial characters of a society, a society completely fragmented inside because they're always craving for attention. They're always craving for an illusion of perfection rather than having substance to their character, to their inside world, whatever it, it is. Imperfections, which is much more human. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you see, we created the human mind. Nature doesn't have perfections and imperfections. Nature is nature, but the human mind cannot comprehend nature as it is. So it does so in terms of thesis and antithesis, perfections and imperfections. We look for order, so we perceive an antithesis of that. We create the idea of disorder. We create the idea of chaos. So we look at nature either as perfect or imperfect. But in nature, there is no such thing as perfect or imperfect. And that's why so, in case of social media, we remove all those little imperfections. Let's call it imperfections. The imperfections that actually make us who we are. Remove the imperfections and you remove most of what you are, who you are. You remove the very self that makes you you. Mm -hmm. So you put out an illusion, 
that is not really you. And you expect for more, more notifications. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's great listening to you um, talking about these things, which I haven't spoken about, but I've written a lot about, which I'm going to sh share later this year and uh, in songs really. Um, and I, I'm just wondering how, how do you, did you go through a period of uh, monitoring your own behavior with uh, your use of technology and, and social media? I never uh, used technology in that way. Uh, I was, you see my becoming a neuroscientist is, is, a, is an adventure really. I was first a monk and oh, really? from that, yes. Of what, monk, of what not in uh, sorry uh, what of what religion uh, were you a monk uh, again there is this thing when you say the monk you automatically are influenced by the traditions that it has to be of some religion of some of some well you live like as a, yeah okay you live as, like a monk as as the ancient ones roaming yeah. around the villages of calcutta uh, mm -hmm. Um, all those things like Christ mm. did, like Buddha did, because I had a lot of questions and nobody could answer them. So I had to, went, I had to go out and find them myself. How long did you and do when that? I did, uh, I did that for a long time, for some time. <laughs> then then uh, when I found the answers, then I came back and studied and tried, started studying them in terms of evidence. I had the experience, but I, then I needed evidence. Hmm. So I then I started studying uh, psychology and neuroscience and philosophy altogether. So eventually I started writing my own works. So that's how I became a neuroscientist from a monk. And hmm. so that's a good path. Right? Have... <laughs> Sorry, that's a good path from from monk to neuroscience. That's great. Uh, I don't see the I don't see the diff the difference really. I mean, what is a monk? They are trying to understand themselves. What is a neuroscientist? They are trying to understand the brain. The brain is you. So it's just different way of understanding the same thing. Different people call it differently, and that's why we have these various terms and we have to use these terms. We call mm -hmm. them. I mean, think of, think about this. We have a simple, a beautiful word called human, a human being. It's a beautiful word, it's fascinating. But somehow people don't grasp the whole universe that is contained within that world. Mm -hmm. So they try to make up for it by coming up with sophisticated words like humanitarian, like martyr, like saint, <laughs> monk, scientist, and all these terms. Because the simple word human doesn't hold any significance to people. If it did, then we would not have so many separations. We wouldn't have so we'd not have so many segregations. Mm. Because we would know what it is to be human. What is it like in in um, in Calcutta? I, I I've not been to India, as I told you. I've never been to India, uh, sadly. And I wonder what um, just uh, if if you can give me and the listeners. Uh, uh, an idea of uh, that where you are in terms of the use of technology. Is it very advanced there? Is it like it is 
in in you know, actually in i'm only uh, present here temporarily i mean most of it most of my if you ask about me i'm more known my work is known in the west than in the east that is yeah. than in the place that i was born in nobody knows yeah. me here so so temporarily i'm uh, here but most of the times i'm touring around the world giving lectures and talks and all of that yeah but as for technology they have access i mean uh, in a conference i was talking about this that technology doesn't differentiate between between your economic status i mean you get the same information on a this the information that you get on an iphone you can get mm. the same information on a 50 dollar smartphone so that's the same i mean the they may be the variations I suppose what ways. i meant was is um our platforms like facebook and and twitter and instagram are they are they uh, available in in uh, across india and i, I mean uh, and are they yes uh, all of them are available except for tiktok uh they banned tiktok recently so oh they banned it okay and and i'm a, i'm a, i don't know a lot about india but i i do know that there's a lot of poverty as well uh and i wondered um how how that how do you see, have you seen that much over there in terms that's how of... that's how i became you see i was studying uh computer sciences computer engineering and i dropped out i didn't like the education of them i dropped out i became a monk mm. amidst all that all that you see when you come to india and i mean there is a separation like there I, i i think you will find that everywhere one part of society has everything has more than they need another part of society they don't even have the basic fundamentals so the same is uh there in india i mean the difference is the separation is rather vibrant you see it so easily and the two is, different sides you mean do different sides yes mm -hmm. and so that's how i that's why I, in a way we can say that that's why i became a monk to find answers to all of these mm. why all of i mean we have so much so much technological advancements we have so much innovation yet why i mean there are so many people who lost their jobs during the pandemic yet these these platforms like facebook so uh twitter and amazon they made more money than ever so think about this i mean this this disparity i mean and why it is there it is there because of individual irresponsibility i mean people are happy in their own lives whatever they're doing and there is no sense of accountability there is social media and there is everything all of these tools are there if the people if the human beings on earth really wanted to remove these these disparities they could do it in no time but most are busy leaving it to government leaving mm -hmm. it leaving it to some authority some 
uh, some savior, somebody else. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that you talk about the individual accountability and responsibility because uh, I've just I've just read a an article on Medium by Nick Clegg, who is I think the vice president of Facebook. He used to be the leader of the Liberal Party, Liberal Democrats in the UK, and um, and he, he I think the article of his. Uh, the title of the article is It Takes Two to Tango, and it's a sort of defensive article uh, from Facebook uh, explaining that it, anything that you do because of social media is because of your interaction with it. And, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, some of it I agree with, although I think it, 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 it's, a bit, it's, it's one thing listening to you talking about our personal uh, responsibility, but something else when it's one of the highest paid <laughs> employees of Facebook is actually saying it too. He's kind of saying if you've got a problem with it, it's probably your own fault, which I think's you know not not fair really. Um, but it's but it's true as well, isn't it? It's it's like all things. We um, to, another guest on this show said to me the other day that. Uh, you know, we have a hammer, you know, we can either attack somebody with it or we can build a house. So there is that element of the tools that uh, are, are there and it's up to us what we do with them. We, excuse me. So whenever we use these tools, we want it to be perfect and we want it to be free. And if it is free, we are using it all the time. And uh, that's exactly what Facebook is abusing. Instagram is abusing. Mm. Like they are getting people hooked on their platform. And that's it. Once you get them hooked, it doesn't matter what you do. So in a way, it is true. If think about this, if people could forget about forget about the teenagers, forget about the young people, if the adults, if they could use these platforms responsibly then no tech no no company no billionaire could do anything but they don't do it that's mm -hmm. why that's why people in the government that's why these mps this congressman and woman they have to step in and hold these platforms responsible so it should be the other way people should step in first then the government but instead the government has to do first, tell them that you have to be accountable. You have to, you have to fact check your posts. You have to act like you're actually a publishing platform. You cannot just say that uh, every single fake news uh, there, it is not your responsibility when it is getting viral. So they have to do that fact checking. So the government is telling. So that's that's again here the the battle between socialism and capitalism comes in. Forget socialism, forget capitalism. It's basic, it's, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. Whatever we do, whether we are big or small in our financial status, in our social status, there should be accountability. If a human being is without accountability, then that being is not a human to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's the accountability that makes us human. So it doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or a janitor. If you are accountable, then these platforms cannot do anything. 
it is only because people are reckless that they are getting hooked to these platforms. And then on top of that, there is fake news. So the personal damage, the damage to the personal health, both psychological and physiological, that is one thing. Then again, mm-hmm. on top of that, there is fake news. Uh, they see something and they forget about the source. They forget to check whether it is really true or not. And they'll go around sharing it and making it viral. So the people are doing it. Yeah. So and all of have us. to be responsible first. Yeah. And, and all, all of us, um, you know, we're, we're all we're all the people, aren't we? Um, and we're all contributing to it. Um, do you see um, what? How how can I phrase this question the right way? What do you see in the future um, when we look back at this period in terms of what what social media and and the way we connect on social media? Uh, if we pretend that we're in the future for a minute, <laughs> um, what did it do? to us in the long term i would say i would tell you as a as an ordinary person who happens to be a scientist please i worry i worry a lot not for ourselves i mean how long are we going to live but the people but the generation that is actually born with facebook that are using facebook from the very beginning forget us we are gone but generation that is using Facebook from the very beginning of their social life, they are going to be the most unstable generation of all times, literally. We have countless data, we have studies to prove that. The levels of empathy, the levels of um, emotional bond, emotional stability, all of these are getting reduced exponentially due to the use of these platforms. We have countless data proving that. And if we still don't accept these facts, we still don't accept the science behind it, then we are ruining the ruining the lives of these people. I mean, the young people, the future of humanity. Mm. We, I mean, you, I... I I'm, not, uh, I'm, not, um, I'm not very good at, at mathematics. Not, I was never good at mathematics. Anything scientific at all at school, I was pretty bad with. But I do, I do, I do know that Obviously, it's a majority of of any generation throughout history that you know defines the time, right? Um, uh, through through the way we look backwards at, at what happened in the past, um, and I, I think you're probably right. And you, um, as you say, there's lots of data to show uh, the kind of effects that um, communication technology is having on much younger people people that are youngsters that are growing up with it and um but of course in every generation that might be a majority i'm sure it is but um for those youngsters that are different and are not being affected in a in a way that's making them uh, dysfunctional that they're, they're actually they're kind of strong and there will be some of course uh, in every generation uh, uh, which I'm wondering, what do you think they they should do or could do, might be able to do, to to help? You know, in every classroom, you know, there's always there's troublemakers and there's there's some people that are struggling and and then there's some people that are there to help the others, right? Who who have empathy. 
let's let's say that this this generation that you're talking about have some people that are well equipped to empathize with everyone else who's not coping what 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 would you what would you advise those kind of youngsters to do in, uh, to help their their classmates <laughs> you see i think uh, this this has been this has been the same for every single generation and that is actually a problem like the majority has been somehow somehow troubled and there comes an individual, individuals from various corner of the world. They say, this is not right. This is not healthy. These are the revolutionaries. These are the torchbearers. These are the humanitarians and the mm -hmm. activists. These are the people who show, show the world that the norm that we have accepted as norm is not the right way. It's not the humane way. It's not the healthy way. So we have to take a different direction. But we have advanced enough, yet the things remain the same. The majority live in a norm that makes them selfish. They live in a norm that, mm. that helps them, that facilitates them to become more self-absorbed, self-obsessed. So the norm is there and the norm is unhealthy and then there comes the individual so we have to work on changing this very paradigm that the norm has to be unhealthy and there has to be some individuals who are going to show the healthy way we have to we have to turn the table like the majority or the norm should be healthy should be a humane there should be a humane direction and if we do not do that then then nothing's going to change for a long, long time. We are going to be troubled. We are going to remain troubled for a long time, fighting with our own conflicts inside of us. Yeah. It's so also the lens, isn't it? It's the lens that we choose to look through because some of us might look through a lens and see a, a, a life or a world that is full of uh, just chaos and, and um, insanity or, or, or um, uh, division. And uh, and another lens might show you, it's a great so it's a great time so, of hope, and uh, yes. and change is 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 feels very um, tangible finally, um, and of course you if you think that um, and have that optimism, there's also then the potential to be not as much of an activist as you should be in the same way as when you see a negative world, that you might feel. Um, that you know you're you're not raising your spirit enough. It's it's very difficult now, isn't it? The way that we were looking, it really depends on the yeah, so perception. Why should we look through any lens? Why should we look in terms of dualities, mm, in terms of binary? Why should we? We are all non-binary people, not in terms of gender, just in mm. life. Life is non-binary. People have a tendency, tendency to look at the world in terms of binary. Either it is one thing or it is the other. Either it is good or it is bad. Either it is completely full of hope or there is no hope at all. But life is not that. Life is born in the womb 
of a cruel and spontaneous mother nature. She has been cruel like hell. You can't even imagine that cruelty. The, the beauty that we find in nature behind the layer of that beauty, there's cruelty that you cannot even imagine. So that is nature. Mm. But then there comes this, this ray of hope called a human being. So human being is not just, not just another life form. It carries within itself the hope for the future. But that doesn't mean that everything that is bad inside, inside an animal, they're not there inside of us because we are also mm. animals. Every human is born an animal. We are just as animal as any other. The only difference is that we have the brain capacity. We have the brain capacity to conquer our animal nature. But there is this thing. Just because we have the capacity to conquer our animal nature does not mean that we actually practice that. Because that involves not giving into more gratification than we really need. That involves not giving into more selfishness that actually is needed for personal sustenance. Mm. So there comes accountability. There comes the action to conquer our animal nature. It is not looking through a lens of hope or hopelessness, either hopefulness or hopelessness. You are looking as a whole human being, as a, what is holy? Holy doesn't mean magical stuff and doing rituals and all of those stuff, going to churches and lighting a candle. Holy means living as a whole human being, looking at humanity with their good side, as well as the possibility mm. that every single individual holds within themselves. <laughs> Remove those lenses, throw away those lenses. We are wearing those lenses. That's why the people in politics, that's why the people in uh, these financial sectors, these companies, they can abuse those lenses that we are wearing. So they just use that loyalty to one lens. I'm wearing a Republican lens. I'm wearing a liberal lens. <laughs> Every lens has their shortcomings. So why do we need to uh, show our allegiance to these lenses? Why can't we just throw away these lenses and look at the world as a whole human being. We are living beings, we are alive. There is possibility for greatness, but there is also the possibility for cruelty because, and that possibility for cruelty, that capacity for cruelty actually comes to us more naturally mm -hmm. because every single animal, including the human being, has been cruel since they are born in this planet. They had to be cruel to survive. But we, had, we have severed that tie with nature. We have built ourselves a different society. That is not relying so much deeply on nature. We have built ourselves a civilized society. So it is time that we actually conquer the uncivilized nature within us to be worthy of the title, civilized. Otherwise, these loyalties, these lenses will continue to ruin the world for eternity. So we don't have to look in terms of duality. We don't have to look in terms of binary. We don't have to look in terms of religious, non-religious, believer, non-believer. We just have to look in terms of human. 
everybody has different way of looking at things. Everybody has different way of living. Why can't we just accept the way they are? Mm. Just the way they are. Of course, that involves if, if there is an inhumanity, if there is some sort of atrocity, our accountability would compel us to stand up to this atrocity. But that is a question of if and when. All the other times, why can't we just accept people just the way they are? They need their religion, let them be. It's their behavior that counts, it's their behavior with other people, it's not their religious title. If they need their religion, who the hell am I to say that religion is a delusion? If they need their God, who the hell am I to say that believing in a God is a delusion? Everybody has different needs to survive. Everybody has different ways. They need different things. People are not machines. Machines can live a binary life. Machine can live, a computer can live solely on logic. But can you explain music in terms of logic? There's no <laughs> logic to music. No, I, I, I sometimes I, use some computer programs that try to try to make it more logical. <laughs> but no, <laughs> the, beauty, the beauty of music, which is the longest, most uh, uh, successful relationship I've had, is with music. Um, and, and, and yes, absolutely, uh, there's, uh, there's no logic to it at all. I think that's why I love it so much. <laughs> yes. So the point is, not everything that is civilized is logical. Mm. And not everything that is illogical is civilized. <laughs> so we just have to conquer our own animal nature. We have to accept that we are born animals. There is these drives that make it very difficult to act as selfless creatures, as selfless beings, mm. as kind mm. beings. It, it, it comes easily to us to be selfish, to be all obsessed about the needs of the self, because that's animal survival is all about. But there is the question, it is animal survival, it is what animal survival is all about, not human survival. Human life should be the very epitome of selflessness. It should be the very epitome of accountability. Without it, we are just good looking animals. <laughs> Is that a title for your next book? <laughs> it's possible. Good-looking animals, I like that. Oh, Abby, I'm so um, pleased that we got to have this conversation because um, I, I very rarely do that. It's like, um, you know, you see you see somebody online who's saying something that really resonates and and I've done it most of my life. I used to write letters when I was a teenager uh, to music producers and people just to say, do you want to get together, you know, uh, and have a chat? And this is uh, this is really nice uh, surprise. Uh, and I, I love I love your your outlook on on the way we are as human beings and, and, and just bringing it back to connection. Um, I mean, this is a great example of why technology can be used for a good thing because it means we, you and I can have a chat between London and Calcutta, you know. Um, but, but yeah, I, I really enjoy connecting with you. Is there anything else that, you've, um, that you haven't said that you'd like to share? So, so uh, to get back to the very first question, uh, mm. uh, what do we do, the thing that you started with uh, saying about memories, 
uh, and cameras and taking pictures. Yeah, so capturing of, memories and not replacing them. Not replacing them. Yes. Yeah. So instead, why don't we just? I mean, when the uh, this pandemic is over and uh, everybody is properly vaccinated and all over the world, when we do go out, why not we put the phone on mute and actually embrace the environment? And if it is a new environment, then look around, listen to the music and all of that, and after you have absorbed everything, then maybe just for memory, you take a few pictures so that after some time, when you look at those pictures, it will actually trigger those memories of the absorption of the environment. Instead, what we do today, we just take pictures and when we go home, look at the picture, we don't feel anything except we just look at some pictures as if we just downloaded from the internet. Yes. So the pictures are supposed to trigger memories they are not supposed to be the memories themselves. Yeah. yeah I love that idea. Um, and and I, I've noticed that in myself uh, when I first started, I would say, abusing technology. I've, I really noticed the, the quickly get the phone out. To, and, and I, you know, I'm, I, I'm more self-aware than I used to be and uh, still trying to become more self-aware. But I certainly noticed that what, you know, asked myself the question, why am I taking, there's nothing's happened yet. Let something happen. <laughs> Let's wait and see. <laughs> and, and of course, and I, 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 then I started learning that when something happened in a social situation or, um, you know, or just out with people, whatever, uh, when something really memorable happens, actually it's, it's very hard to capture on a photograph, you know, um, I've realized that now. And of course, a lot of the um, artists and and, uh, and some musicians that I love the most, there are very few photographs of them. Nick Drake is, in a, is a great example. There's hardly any photographs of Nick Drake and such an influential musician on so many people, uh, me included. And, and, um, and, it, and it, there is a certain value in not taking the picture sometimes, <laughs> like you say, but just absorbing it instead, making your body take the photograph, right? So, yes, so that is the thing. I mean, we cannot change how, we cannot force people to change their behavior. We cannot tell them that this isn't right and this is, this is wrong. That's the mm -hmm. easiest thing to do. So what we can do is, uh, again, comes at the individual level. We have to be the example ourselves. Forget what others are doing or not, forget whether their phone is pinging 24-7 or not. When we go out with friends, when we are among people, we have to be the example. We have to be the epitome of humanity. We have to be the human that we want to see around us. And that's all there is. That is that is all there is. And, and what a lovely phrase to end on. Um, Abby Nasca, thank you so much for coming and joining me on Super Connected Conversations. I hope to see you soon. It was a great pleasure to you. It was a remarkable conversation. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for connecting. Thank you.